Thanks for joining us for today's message. We want to encourage you to visit NBCOcala.com if you have a story to share about how God is working in your life or if you would like to support this ministry financially. Today we're hearing a message from our new series entitled, His, Not Mine. It's easy to assume more will make us happy and solve our problems. But what if the solution is to wisely manage what we've already been given? Today, we're discovering how to steward our blessings and belongings for His glory. Help me welcome our internet audience, would you? God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, I got to tell you, you're not going to like today's message. I'll just tell you. It's kind of like this. uh, I remember when uh, my kids were little, and I won't tell you which one because I tried to never embarrass them. But it's one of my daughters, and uh, <laughs> but I have two, so you don't know. Uh, we went to Disney, and they have these character meals that you can go to. So you're having the meal, and then they've got all the Disney characters wandering around. And, and my little girl, she was so excited about that as long as they stayed way over there. But when they got up close, all bets were off. She didn't like that at all. So it was okay as long as it's over there. Well, once it got up close, well, I'm going to get up close today, you know, and sometimes it's okay that, you know, he's up there and he's talking about somebody else, but I really think we're going to get into some stuff today. And so I just warn you, you're not going to like today at all. And and I'm messing with you. It's going to be very, very helpful for all of us, but we're wrapping up a series called his not mine. Go ahead and say that his not mine. And let's look in uh, Psalm 24 verse one in the new living translation. It says the earth is the Lord's. And everything in it, the world and all its people, belong to him. Can I get an amen on this today? Essentially, what we're trying to settle in this series, and I mean settle, is this whole idea of stewardship versus ownership. Stewardship versus ownership. He's the owner of what? Everything, including me. He's the owner, and we are just the stewards. We manage what belongs to him. Until you get that settled... As long as you're erring on the side of, I think I might be the owner, you're, you're setting yourself up to be frustrated and fearful and ready for a fight the rest of your life. Because his mind don't touch mine, don't get near mine, where is mine? Uh, you know, we, we struggle with this ownership thing. Well, when you realize it's all his, I'm just the steward of it, you can actually enter and you can relax a little. And you can have some peace and some contentment and some confidence because God knows how to take care of who belongs to him and he knows how to take care of what belongs to him. In reality, nobody can take from you because it's not yours, it's his. They take from you, they're taken from God. Nobody can take advantage of you. They take advantage of you, you're taking advantage of something that belongs to God. God knows how to take care of what belongs to him. And what I want for you is, is that peaceful contented, confident life, getting this issue settled of stewardship versus ownership. Now, last week we talked about a number of things. We talked about your T4, your time, your talent, your treasure, your touch, and we combined that with your A5, and what did we get? Bingo. Bingo. Some of you remember. I don't have time to go back into that uh, this morning. You can go back and hear that uh, online, podcast, CD. There's a host of ways to do it. But I do have two more T's that we're going to introduce to you today. And uh, let's just plow on this today. The first one would be this, temple. Everybody say temple. Let's read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 
Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. So he's writing this to believers, okay? He says, and, and I'm reading it from the New Living Translation because it, it just makes it a little more uh, understandable for all of us. Don't you realize that your body, everybody say my body, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. He's not mine. Verse 20, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your with your body. Your body is the temple. My bo- Everybody say, my body is a temple. Now, that's not, you're like, yeah, I often thought that of myself. No, that's not, that's, that's not the approach that we're taking here, okay? So, the Corinthians, Paul is addressing them. They had a host of behavior issues. They uh, were acting out in all kinds of ways that were just creating chaos and ruin. And you say, well, pastor, what were they doing? Well, they were doing most of the things on the list. How many of you remember the list? Uh, two weeks ago, I talked about the list. Anybody here on the list? We're all on the list, okay? Just, just, just so you act like you know what we're talking about here. We're all on the list. What do you mean the list? Well, earlier in this same chapter that, that we just read from in 1 Corinthians 6, we see some of the things on the list, and I'll go ahead and just read from that. They're indulging in sexual sin. They worship idols. They commit adultery, they join with prostitutes, practice homosexuality, are thieves, are greedy, are drunkards, are abusive, are swindlers and cheat people. Back in chapter 3, he talked about jealousy, strife, or argumentative, or divisive. And so all of these things are going on, and Paul is trying to address those issues, their behavior their sin, and so forth. But in doing it, instead of taking each one of them, Paul points to the greater problem, the greater issue here, and he identifies it, and he essentially says this. He says, uh, here's the problem. Here's the problem. You don't know, you don't realize that your body belongs to God. You're, You're missing out on this reality that your body belongs to God. It's his, it's not yours. And because it belongs to God, God has chosen to make your body, everybody say my body, he's chosen to make it a temple for the Holy Spirit. Let's look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, further back in the same book, he states the same thing. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Would would y'all just read this with me here? Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Here he, he points out, I mean, he nails it right here. Here's why you're behaving the way that you're behaving. He said, because you don't know this. You don't know this. If you, if you knew this, some things would change. And that's part of what we're going to look at here today. I want you to just say this with me, declare this with me, whether you believe it or not, like it or not. Uh, you know, you're circling for a landing. You're about to land on this. You've already landed. You're not even on the radar yet. You know, where, wherever you be on this. Uh, just say this with me. My body, My body is, the is the temple of God. Of God. And the Holy, Spirit the Holy Spirit lives in me. Lives in okay, now that's a reality that I want you to soak on and, and hopefully get a hold of that. That's why I made you uh, repeat that. And when you really start to think about that, my body is not mine, it's God's. It belongs to God. It's a temple. He set it aside as a temple. And the Holy Spirit lives in that temple. 
you'll arrive at this. Holy wow. Holy wow when you start to realize that. The body is a temple. The temple is a sacred place. It's a set-apart place. It's an extravagant and holy place. As a matter of fact, one of the purposes of redemption was so that we could become a temple, not made with hands, not made with bricks and mortar, but a temple for God to dwell in. And he lives in me. Everybody say, he lives in me. He lives in me. All right. Let's, uh, let's try to make sure we can relate to this. Uh, let's look at a Lamborghini. Pretty nice car. A lot like the first car I had. <laughs> in that it was yellow. No. No, it wasn't. Lamborghini, very expensive. So finely crafted. Uh, I actually got to close the door on one one time. I was at a hotel and... Guy was standing around with a Lamborghini and he was about to leave it. And I said, could I just close the door? He said, well, sure, because I had heard how, how it closes. And, and it was just like, boom. Unlike our car, it's like, and you get knee it and push it again, yeah. But, boom. And just made expensive, expensive car, incredible car. I mean, you say, well, that's not my taste. Well, you know, let's go to the other end and Rolls Royce, Rolls Royce. I want to promise you there's no plastic in that puppy, Okay. And this is finely crafted, I mean, like you would not believe, and expensive, and, you know, they, they don't lose value. And it's just an incredible, incredible vehicle. So I want you to imagine that you had a friend, obviously a rich friend, and uh, they said, hey, I'm going out of town for a couple months. Could I have you watch over my car for me? Okay, so he's the owner, and you're the what? You're the steward. You're the steward. So he's not a half hour out of town till you got the keys and you start. I just wonder. And so you start doing these things. I just made a little list of what you could do with this here. You could drive it off road, go mud bogging, trash in the car, partying in the car, smoking in the car, burger wrappers and junk food paper and everything all over the place. Bottles and cups all over the place. Shake on the carpet. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Demolition derby, you entered. You got goofy stickers all over the thing. You put cheap gas in it. You leave the windows down and it rains. And you let just anybody ride in it or drive it. And here's the reality. It's super valuable. But it's not yours. And it's not yours to treat that way. Now, if it were yours, you can do whatever you want to do with it. But the reality is that's not yours. It's someone else's. And it's extremely valuable. And it's theirs. It's not yours. And we have no right to treat it that way. I hope some of you are catching the jump here. It's just a few short steps away to realize that your body is more finely crafted than a Lamborghini or a Rolls Royce. And it's extremely valuable to God. And you've got to realize that this is God's. Your body is God's. It's not yours. It's not yours. So we really don't have a right. Look at me. We don't have a right to do whatever we want to do. We really don't have a right to, you know, hey, this is my body. No, no. See, you're confused on that. And Paul was saying, because you're confused on that, that's why all these other issues are happening that are bringing you chaos and lack of peace and bringing ruin to your life and your relationships. So I want us to look at just seven things real quick. You're not going to like any of them, but I want to share them with you real quick under this idea. The first one is, is this. You got to know it. Everybody say know it. Oh, come on. Say know it. 
You've you got to know that your body, this, this has to become revelation to you. This has to become a conviction to you. There was a, a minister years and years ago by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. And Smith Wigglesworth uh, would dress so fine. And every day he would stand in front of a mirror all dressed up. And he says, the, the spirit of the living God lives inside that man dressed in that suit. So every day he brought himself to an awareness of, you know, God lives in me by his spirit. He's actually living in me. It has to be a revelation to you. It has to be a conviction of yours. It's vital. Otherwise, you're going to create chaos and ruin in your life. You've got to know it. Everybody say, know it. Next one is this, dedicate it. Dedicate it. Go ahead and say it. Dedicate it. And, and that means that deliberately and daily, you should say, God, this, this body is yours. This body. I dedicate my body. Top of my head, soles of my feet, everything that is me, this body, I dedicate it to you. Thirdly is, you're really not going to like this one, okay? Third one is move it. Everybody say move it. Move it. Uh, When you take a bicycle and you park it in the corner of the garage and put the kickstand down, or you hang it up on some hooks and you close that garage and you don't come back to it, it starts to deteriorate. If you get it out every day and you ride it, you'll have some ongoing maintenance, but it's gonna continue. It's made to keep going. You take a musical instrument and you put it in its case and latch it and put it up on a shelf and you no longer come back and open it up and play it every day, it will deteriorate. If every day you open that thing up or every so often you open it up and play it, yeah, you'll still have some ongoing maintenance, but you know what? Uh, That thing will keep on going. But you put it away and you stop moving it, stop using it, it, it's going to start to shut down. And I cannot tell you, and I don't care how old you are, how young you are, how fit you think you are, or what horrible condition you think you are, move it, move it. If this is all you've got left that moves, move it, okay? <laughs> Keep it all moving and then act like you can move some other stuff. But you've got to, it is made to move. It is made to move, exercise as best you can, get in better condition, stay in better condition. I told you, you would not like this point. We don't feel like moving. And I'm telling you what, if you sow energy, you'll reap energy. But if your excuse for not moving is I don't have energy, you're never going to catch up on energy. You've got to, you've got to override that and, and keep your body under and you've got to move it. Everybody say, move it. You're really not going to like this one. Next one is this fuel it. Everybody say, fuel it. We've got to eat healthy. Stop giving me dirty looks, okay? We've got, we got to eat healthy. We eat stuff we can't even pronounce. We eat things that are not found naturally anywhere. We, we eat things just because they taste good or somebody sold us, to it, uh, sold us on it. And you know where the worst place in the world is? The United States of America. And I'm going to get real serious. And we are killing ourselves. We're killing ourselves by the way that we eat. And it's just like putting garbage gas in that Lamborghini. We've got to make sure that we are fueling and honoring the, this temple by fueling it in the right way. And uh, we've got to eat more healthy. Amen. Next one is this. You're not, you're not going to like this one either. Present it. Everybody say present it. Romans 12.1 says that we're to present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. We're to present our bodies. What all does that mean? It means a number of things, but I also think it means this, that you carry yourself properly. That you carry yourself properly. When you realize that the Holy Spirit lives in you, and I'm not talking about being weird and it's like, stay back, please. 
Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. No, just, just be real and just you understand the Holy Spirit. I think you'll start to carry yourself with a little more dignity. I think you'll dress. Uh, and it doesn't mean you've got to wear a, a tuxedo or a gown everywhere you go. But when you dress, how about modesty too? Because realizing that, you know, the Holy Spirit dwells in me. And we just, we need to present this body in a proper, proper way. And uh, I just, I think sometimes we get overly casual and overly careless in how we dress and showing everybody our everything. And we, and we need to just present ourselves just a little bit better. I told you you wouldn't like it. Next is this, honor it. Honor it. Everybody say honor it. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. He said, if anyone defiles, it means to pollute or ruin the temple of God. We've already established that's your, your body. God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. And so we've got to honor, the, honor this temple. And I think there's a number of ways that we do that. I'll just touch on this real quick. If I'm aware that the Holy Spirit is in me, then I'm going to be careful where I go. You know, you can't do this one. Jesus, you stay in the truck. I'll be back in a little bit, I hope. No, you you can't do that. I've heard of people being arrested because they took their children into a bar because they had, you know, had to have a drink uh, or left their kids in the car because they went into a strip club or something. You know, it, it, it doesn't work this way, okay? And, and if I'm going to honor the temple and honor the Holy Spirit, there's just some places I cannot go. There's some things I can't expose myself to because here, here's the greater truth. You ready for this? Because where I go, he goes. And what I expose myself to come in contact with, he comes in contact with. Paul specifically said in 1 Corinthians, he said, you know, if you take this temple and you join it in, to a prostitute, or you join it in sexual sin, the two become one. And you're actually bringing, can y'all handle this? You're actually bringing the Holy Spirit into contact with something unholy. This is why you can't sit in front of a television or a computer and watch pornography because you are actually bringing the Holy Spirit into ex- to exposure to vile things. Are y'all hearing me? Oh, pastor, this is way too old-fashioned. No, it's not old-fashioned. This is eternal, okay? and And this is real deal truth. You want chaos and ruin in your life, then you can ignore what I'm talking about. But I'm telling you, we have to honor the temple because we have to honor the Holy Spirit that is within this temple and make sure what we come in contact with and exposure to. Amen? And then lastly, use it. Use it. Everybody say, use it. We, we're to use our body to glorify God. We're to use our body to glorify God. Our hands, our feet, our skills, our face, our smile, our words, everything, that, all of our strength, everything that we have, we are to use it to glorify God. Your body, everybody say my body. Your body, if you're a believer, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It is not yours. It is God's. It belongs to him, and we have to treat it in a right way. It is very important to God. It is very important to you. And if we don't handle it right, I'm telling you what, your joy level, your peace level, your blessing level is going to be way down here because you're grieving the Holy Spirit that would be on the inside of you. You want life to change? You want some joy and some energy in your life? 
honor the fact that the Holy Spirit was, is within me. I could dwell a little more on the whole idea of the car. Remember all the things I talked about the car. You know, and we've just got to be careful. You know, the, your body is not just for anybody and everybody. Your, your body is, is not to do just whatever you want to do. And, and we cannot just treat our body like this blob of flesh that we just kind of live in and do whatever we want to because it will sink to the lowest level. Let's realize this is a holy thing. God has, this belongs to God. He has made it holy to himself. It is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Told you wouldn't like it. Let's move on a little bit. Talk about the next one here. Not only your temple, but your testimony. Everybody say testimony. Your testimony is your story. It's your story. By definition, it's your report, your witness, evidence that you would give, your testimony. It's your story. You have a story. Everybody say, I have a story. And, and this isn't my main point, but I feel like I should make this this morning. First of all, realize that everybody has a story. Okay, think about it. Everybody has a story. And before you're too quick to judge somebody else about the way they're acting and what they're doing and what's going on in their life, think about this. You didn't have to live their story. Sometimes I hear people's stories, and I've been guilty of it before. You know, I see what's going on in their life. I don't know how they could act that way or why they're that way. And, and then you get up close to them, you start to hear their story. It's like, wow, I don't know what I would be if I, if I lived their story. So let that slow us down a little bit and be a little more compassionate, realize, you know, I don't know their story. I don't know what they've been through. I don't know what I would have turned out like. I don't know the condition I would be in right now had I had to live that story. Are you all with me on this? And uh, uh, Dr. Henry Cloud, and I read after him quite a bit. He's a Christian psychologist. I love his approach of, of incorporating the word of God with how the soul works. And uh, in one of his books called Changes That Heal, he talks a, about a story. He was working at the time at a, a rehab clinic hospital, and uh, this man brought his daughter. She's college age. She's going through a lot of stuff. She's uh, despondent. She's depressed. She's doing drugs. She's promiscuous. She's about to drop out of college. And he brings her to this treatment center, and Dr. Cloud is the intake person that, on that day. And so he's talking. He said, so uh, what's going on? And he starts asking the girl and dad hops in and dad is angry and he's judgmental and he's rigid and he's religious and he's just and and she's doing this and she's doing this and she's doing this. She starts to talk. He cuts in while she's this, she's this and just going on and on with this. And uh, he said, well, what is it that we need to do? I'll tell you what we need to do. And dad just goes on and on and on and on. And so finally, Dr. Cloud says, you know what, sir? Um, uh, thank you so much. I want to talk to your daughter just alone right now. And so if you'll just go out into the, to the lobby for a little bit. So as soon as he goes out, uh, Dr. Cloud leans across the desk to the, to the young lady. And here's the direct quote out of, out of the book. He said, Ruth, I think if I had to live with your father, I'd take drugs too. He was not giving her permission, but he was tendering her understanding. And I think we need to understand each other a little bit better so we can help each other a little bit better. Can I get an amen on that? And you start saying, well, now the, now the sermon's picking up a little bit. All right, so, all right. You have a story. You have a testimony. And it is to be told. What is your story? What is your story of God doing something good in your life? What is the good news? What, what is the gospel according to you? Do you have a God story? 
And we show God's stories from time to time because, you know, it inspires you. I'm kind of like the paid spokesman. They're the satisfied customers, okay? You know, for you to hear that God is, is working real deal. And I'll tell you, he's working real deal in my life as well. But your story is to share. Your story is to share. You've got to realize that when, do, when God does something, it is never, ever just for one purpose or one person. Did you hear me? When God does something in your life, it's never, ever just for one purpose or for one person. It is meant to be shared. Here, here think about this with me. When God, when God does something for you, it's not just for you. If he does something in you, he wants to do something through you. If he blesses you, he wants you to be a blessing. If he comforts you, he wants you to comfort others with the same comfort you yourself have been comforted with by God. Are are y'all with me? So when God does something for you, it's not just for you. Your testimony, in fact, your story, in fact, is it's God's. It's about the goodness of God in each of our lives. Can somebody say amen today? You are to tell your story. You're to tell of God's goodness in your life. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus comes onto the scene and there's a a man. uh, He's called a demoniac. He has demons. And he lives among the tombs. He is naked. He cannot be contained. They've tried several times to put shackles and chains on him and he has like almost supernatural strength and he, he breaks them. He never sleeps and night and day he's He's crawling around up in the tombs and the rocks. He howls, he shrieks, he screams. He's cutting himself on the rocks and everything else. He's, it's just a horrible thing. And Jesus shows up and he rushes up on Jesus, starts to worship Jesus and the demons manifest and all of this is going on. And Jesus tells the demon to get out of him, to get out of him. I won't go into all the story right now, but then in short order, people gathered around Jesus and there's the same man, everybody say the same man, There's the same man sitting, that's a miracle in itself, sitting, you ready for this, fully clothed and in his right mind. And Jesus said, well, I got to go now. And he said, no, please, please don't go. And if you do go, let me go with you. Please let me go with you. And Jesus says this in verse 19. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them. Everybody say, tell them tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. I want to read that again. No, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. Look in verse 20 here. So the man started off to visit 10 towns. Guess he had a lot of kinfolk of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at his extensive knowledge of the Bible. No, at what he told them. What did he tell them? He told them his story. He told them his story, and it's such an amazing story. You need to know this. Your story is going to connect with somebody somewhere. There's things you've done, and I'm not telling, that, telling you you need to compile your story into a, you know, a mini-series. I'm just telling you you've got all kinds of stories. You've got a little story here and a little story here of, of how God has been good to you. You need to tell of God's goodness in your life. Let me just help you a little bit. Has he ever rescued you? Amen. Has he ever protected you? Has he ever provided for you? Has he ever just helped you and gave you that peace or joy right in the midst of a storm before? Has he ever guided you? Has he ever warned you? Has he ever helped you to find something? 
One of our staff members was mowing some property and uh, realized after mowing a long time, he dropped his camouflage wallet. And the Holy Spirit led him to find needle in the haystack. The Holy Spirit knows where things are. You know what? That's a story. Just these stories of God's faithfulness in our life. How many of y'all, he protected you even before you got saved? I mean, the reality is some of y'all shouldn't even be here today. You should be on a pirate ship somewhere off, off somewhere. And, and God protected you or dead or in hell or whatever. But that's part of your story. God has been good to you. God has been good to me. And that's not for me to just think about. That's a testimony. That's a story that belongs to God of his goodness that I can share with somebody else. That again, we can comfort somebody else, encourage somebody else with the same comfort and encouragement that God put into our life. And it's to be told. I said it's to be told. And you need to make sure that your family knows your stories. I mean, when things happen in in life, something happens with them. The other day I was on the phone with one of my sons and and talking to him. And he, he lives up in Nashville. We were talking and I told him, I said, you know what? That reminds me one time, such and such, such and such. And God came through for me in this way. He said, thank you, Dad. Just for you to hear, not just to read about thousands of years ago, but somebody you know up close that God did something good in their life. Your story is to be told. Listen to this in Psalm 145, verse 6. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. Look in Psalm 89. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to all generations. You are to tell of God's goodness in your life. You're to realize that when God does something, he never ever does it just for one purpose and for one person. And when God does something for you, it's not just for you. It's all his. I said it's all his. Your life, your days, your body, your everything, it's all his and it's not mine. And you know what? He's gonna receive praise now and forever. And I wanna make sure that we're part of that praise unto him. Right now in heaven, he's being worshiped. Right now. And forever he's being worshiped. And this is the cry that's going on in heaven. Ceases not day and night, the scripture says, to declare that he's worthy and he's awesome and he's holy. And there's two things that are pointed out. And it's because he's the creator and it's because he's the redeemer. And you know what? Those are the, that, that's what we've got to realize. He's the creator. He's the redeemer. That's why I can say, you can say, it's his. It's not mine. Let me share a story with you real quick and then we'll, we'll finish up today. This uh, is just on the shelf in my office, and it goes along with what we're saying. Years and years ago, and this is an old story, and some of you may have even heard this before. But for a boy's birthday, his dad gave him this kit to make this little sailboat. Not this one. But he, several afternoons after school, he would come home, and he'd work on it. He got it together, and he painted it, and customized it a little bit, and he paid real close attention to all the details. And he couldn't wait, you know, for it to all dry and kind of set. And then they had a little river in their little town. And so he went down to the river and he would just play with it along the river's edge. And, you know, he'd get it, you know, after an hour or so, playing back and forth, take it home, come back the next day. One day he was out playing with his little boat and the gust of wind caught it and took it out a little bit far and it got caught in the current and it just went on down the river. And he ran down the riverbank as far as he could and it just took it away and he went home sad. A few hours later down the the river, a man's walking along and he sees this little boat and he picks it up, cleans it up a little bit. And he said, I don't have any grandkids or anything, so I don't know what to do with it. And he's walking back to town. He sees this little shop 
So he goes in and asks the shopkeeper, what do you give me for this? And so he sold it to the shopkeeper, and uh, shopkeeper put it in the window on display. A couple days later, on a Saturday, the boy goes to town, and he sees this boat in the window. And he looks at it and goes, wait a minute, I think that's my boat. He goes in, he asks the shopkeeper, could I, could I see that boat? And he gets it down for him, and he's looking at it, and he goes, Mr., this is, this is my boat. It's my boat. I made this. He said, I don't know anything about that. And he goes, well, could I have it? It's my boat. He said, no, because I paid for it. If you want it, pay for it. How much? He told him. So the boy runs home, gathers his money, comes back, and he buys the boat. And he's walking out of the store, and this is the point that I want you to get. He's walking out of the store, and he talked to his little boat, and he said, little boat, you are twice mine. I made you, and I bought you. And we're like that little boat. He made us. He bought us. We belong to him. It's all his, not mine. Amen? Hope you got something out of that today.